you know, I see sometimes in marriage, I say, you know, sometimes it's awkward. We've learned to respond to each other or talk, and it may seem unnatural if our spouse is making an effort to talk to us a little bit differently right. or to try to love in a different way. And instead of, I, I say, you know what, even if it's a little bit awkward, welcome it, right, embrace absolutely. it. At least they're making an effort. <laughs> you know what I mean? You feel pain, you don't want to repeat pain. I think too many people for sin, Steve, they don't really feel pain. They don't feel like it hurts. And, and because they, they don't feel it, I don't think they get it. To me, the biggest changes I've ever made is when I feel it. I'm Bill McMinn, Senior Pastor of Beagleville Bible Church. And this is the Way to Go podcast. And we are about faith, family, and daily life. We're about taking God's word, breaking it down, making it practical to everyday living. And we love to do it. Now, if you want to watch the show, you can actually go to Eagleville Bible Church. Just go to YouTube, type in Eagleville Bible Church. You will find it on the Way to Go playlist. But again, faith, family, and daily life. This is what we're all about. Welcome to the Way to Go podcast. I'm here with Steve Arslick. And one of those topics we want to talk about is repentance. And I know that... Sometimes a topic like that might not seem as fun as something else like, hey, let's talk about raising kids or something practical, you know, how to set up a budget. But when you think about core things in life, I mean, how to change is huge. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, repentance is, uh, it's, it's the foundational thing within Christianity. I mean, uh, you know, you think about repentance is, you know, even for Christianity, of course, we come and we in humility, acknowledge our sins. And one of the first questions I would have is, you know, out of this humility, we have to acknowledge sin. And if we define sin as missing the mark of God, right. we have to even understand or be able to clearly define why I must repent. Right. Or why would God even ask me towards repentance? For right. what reason? Yeah, well, I think if you don't realize you're doing something wrong, you're never going to repent. I think there are right. certain people in denial. I mean, they're, they're, you see yeah. it all the time in Celebrate Recovery. I mean, yeah. there could be somebody who's addicted for years, and they're in denial because somehow they tell themselves it's okay. Or what I've seen is this, too, Steve. Sometimes you would tell everyone and their brother something they were doing wasn't wrong, like fooling around with another woman, and they're married. Mm -hmm. And you would tell everyone and their brother is wrong. But somehow, if you start doing it, there's a reason for it. Yeah. There's a reason in your case, you know, you're just really trying to help her and, and there's a reason for it because you're in denial in your own mind that what you're doing isn't right in the first place. And it, you're never going to change until you see that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we think about salvation. Well, from what are you being saved? Right. If we can't even come to that simple acknowledgement that I need to be saved from something. Right. And, and when we think about being saved and the reasons that, that God calls us to go back within his will is that we, that's where the blessing is because outside of his blessing is consequence, right? It, it, you know, as death as the Bible describes, well, I you think know, that, and so, you know, that's one of the things that's coming back in that simple acknowledgement. Why do I need to turn? Why do I need to repent? Why do I need to do the 180? You know, it isn't just because what I think it's a good idea. No, because here's what God's calling me to. Right. Well, I think Ten Commandments is part of that. I mean, if you Absolutely. look at the Ten Commandments, if a person's saved means my sins are forgiven, I have a home in heaven. If you're talking about sin and what is sin, you can go to the Ten Commandments. Of, well, if I'm covening somebody's self, I'm lying to somebody, you know, I'm cheating, I'm stealing, I'm dishonoring my parents, murder, obviously, right, right. Uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. I, I think there are, there are certain things that are clearly spelled out for the last thousands of years uh, that, that are wrong. And when I do wrong things, then that affects my relationship with God. And repentance is a turning to God. It's turning from and to. Right. The whole the whole point of it is turning to. But here's one thing that I, I've heard, and, and I'll read this first because I think it's super important. And uh, this is the one where Jesus Christ makes a statement, repents and forgiveness of sins should be claimed to his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Now, 
somebody I talked to recently, they said of their husband, they'll never change. They'll never change. They'll never change. I don't know if I can go back and work on this marriage because they're never going to change. And I know that. That's something I get why people say it or think it, but it is biblically untrue. You can change. I mean, this is at the core of what Christianity is. People can change. As you say, change being defined as um, I'm doing the wrong things, sinful things right now, and I need to start doing the right things. And I need to shift from, let's say, addiction to sobriety. I need to uh, switch from immorality to being a moral person. I need to switch from being a dishonest person to being an honest person or a hateful person to being a loving person. You know, and all those things, of course, in the former are the, are the simple things and then turning to uh, doing the right thing. But it is possible. Yeah, and I think with a resistance to that need for change, an unrepentant type of attitude is actually one of resistance, is one of disobedience towards God. In other words, it, it, that my marriage could never change. It, it could never work. Well, we're discounting the power of God in our lives to do these things. Right. We have diminished the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, that he's forgiven us of our sins, that we can come. I mean, Jesus Christ's message from day one has been repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right. And so God has been calling people on this earth to repent from the moment he began his public ministry. You can look throughout the Old Testament, throughout the prophets, all of it has been working towards an attitude of repentance and drawing back nearer to God. That's been the problem with well, humanity. And, and if you don't think that repentance is, is necessary, just look around at the world. I Absolutely. mean, this world is an absolute mess. It's an unrepentant world. Right. It's, it's, it's an absolute mess. I mean, there, right. there's darkness, there's anger, uh, there's violence, there's injustice, there's all kinds of things. So, I mean, it is a, it is a very weighty topic. Well, what's one of the, I think, and, and truthfully, it's one of the biggest challenges within Christianity is people say, I don't need to do these things. That's for right. somebody else. Right. I'm saved. I said a prayer. I don't need to do anything else. Right. Because they focus on forgiveness and not repents. Right. When you come to this verse, I think one of the, the bad things about Christianity is, um, I said this a couple episodes ago, I said, there are two entities, two persons that use grace, God and the devil. Both use, both love the concept of grace. God loves the concept of grace to allow the person to repent and come to him. The right. devil loves it because he's going to use grace to keep you from coming back to God. Because as you say, God's full of grace, you don't need to change. Right. That's not Just right. Stay where you are. That's not right. So the devil loves when we talk about forgiveness and we don't talk about repentance. And the fact of the matter is, when that woman is saying, my husband won't change, what she's saying is that he wants to be forgiven, but he doesn't want to repent. And that's what she's saying. He's not really going to repent of the bad activity that he's done. Uh, in this case, it was uh, infidelity. Uh, he's not going to ever change. He's going to continue in this pattern where I have to remind her, no, when a person's serious about God and they start getting their relationship with, right with God, you you can't do it without this step. You can't, do, number one, you can't come to God without him forgiving you. Absolutely. Number two, you can't get forgiveness without repentance. You've got to come, both coins are part, like they're both, one's one side of the coin, one's the other side of the coin. If I offend you, Steve, and, and let's say I'm doing stuff to annoy you, and I'm sure I have, but if, if, <laughs> if you point it out, you know what I'm saying? You say, Bill, it drives me crazy when you do this. For me to say, I'm sorry and keep doing it isn't helpful. No. For me to say, oh, cool, I'll, I'll stop doing that. That, to me, is is what makes a relationship workable in any case. I mean, in any case, in any situation oh, yeah, throughout yeah, yeah. there. Uh, you've got to be willing to say, not only do I want forgiveness, but I, I want to not have to ask for it. 
I want to get to the point where I'm changing. And that always makes forgiving people so much easier when you see they're sincere about change, especially in marriage, especially in close relationships. You have to see it. Yeah, well, I think true repentance does, and we've talked about this before in the past too, is true repentance, you you see credible evidence of change. Was the husband unwilling to come to counseling? Were they unwilling to turn from a behavior that w- was driving their spouse crazy? And you could put it back, men or women, it doesn't matter. I mean, I've seen lots of unrepentant hearts, whether it's the man or the woman. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, they come into a relationship and they're just so hardcore on something. Uh, you know, they're claiming Christianity, yet it's putting the right hand up to God saying, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but I can't do this because, well, you know, you just don't understand. Or I've heard oftentimes self recovery, well, you just don't understand the injustice that's been done against me. Well, none of that matters. It's what is your response to what God's calling you? Right. What do you need to change from? What are your behaviors like? What has, what are you doing as is missing the mark of God? That's what you're called to repent back for, because, you know, Jesus says, you know, uh, for those whom I love in Revelation, you know, the, the, the last book in the Bible, you know, he's talking, he's giving counsel to the churches. For those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Jesus' right. message, even to the churches today, is be zealous and repent. Repent right. of what? If you can't even acknowledge that and do a self-evaluation, say, hey, if my marriage is failing, how am I not fulfilling my role as a husband or a wife? How am I not responding to, to the relationships of people in my life? How am I not loving God? How am I not loving others? If you're not willing to come down and really break that down, what's the barrier? Well, there, there, there's probably chaos. There's probably dysfunction in your life. There's probably a lack of peace. I'm, I'm right. sure there's lack of joy. There's probably lots of drama, right. and it's not a mystery. Right. No, I, I would agree. It's, it's usually not. <laughs> I've, when it comes to marriage, dude, I've always said this. It's not rocket science. Yes. But here, here's one uh, great part. He said that Paul was saying, hey, even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. And if I regret it, since I saw the letter grieved you, yet only for a while, I rejoice now, not because you're grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For your grief is God willed so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. And then he talks about his uh, diligence in the matter. But, you know, I what I like about that is you were grieved. You weren't just sad about it, but your sadness led to you to change it. Yeah. Being sad that you did something, sometimes there's a difference between, I think some people are emotionally sad that they got caught. Oh, yeah. They're not really sad they did it. And that's the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow says, bummer, I got caught. Yeah. Godly sorrow says, it's a bummer I did it in the first place. Yeah. Because I shouldn't have done it, and it was wrong. That's the difference. And I think the godly sorrow leads to that credible, uh, at least the credible evidence of change, because when we have that godly sorrow, we truly recognize that we have not done the best of what God has asked us to do. That hey, I think it really leads to a genuineness. Right. A, a willingness. And you can see that played out. And, you know, I see sometimes in marriage, I say, you know, sometimes it's awkward. We've learned to respond to each other or talk, and it may seem unnatural if our spouse is making an effort to talk to us a little bit differently right? or to try to love in a different way. And instead of, I, I say, you know what, even if it's a little bit awkward, welcome it, right, embrace absolutely. it. Cause at least they're making an effort. <laughs> you know, it may be awkward, but at least they're, they're, they're yeah, trying. Right. That's really you know, weird. You're nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, well, well, that's okay. You know, embrace that, embrace the change, embrace that repentance, embrace that, embrace that turning from the things that, you know, we know weren't, weren't healthy or desirable. Yeah. And, and also give a little slag. I mean, when somebody's trying to get it together, we're talking about repentance today. We're not talking about perfection. I mean, obviously right, right, like absolutely. if my wife says, Hey, Bill, I don't like the way you talk to me and I'm 
95% better. Don't chew me out too bad for the 5% I wasn't because I'm I'm right, still right, making right. strides and I'm trying to do the best. Yeah, we're that, fallible men and women. I mean, yeah. yeah, but the thing is, but it comes back to that godly sorrow though too. Even, do we recognize even our shortcomings where I get myself in patterns of repeated sin or I get myself in something? Some of their, the godly sorrows got to start coming out and say, Lord, why do I keep going to this right. well? Why do I keep going here? Why am I finding comfort here? Why am I not turning towards right. you? Why am I not changing here? Right. I, I think we have that responsibility still as Christians that we need to be doing that self-evaluation regularly and saying, hey, what am I not doing that I should be doing? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Hey, I God, mean, point stuff out. Yeah, I'll examine I mean, my heart. If there's, it, it, um, yeah. am, I haven't been praying, Lord, yeah, I'll point it out. Yeah, this isn't a one and done. I guess what I'm getting at, repentance isn't a one and done. You don't say some prayer and all of a sudden, you know, we're all godly people following Christ. And no, I, you know, there's a, there's a big difference. Well, to that, I, think I think it depends, Steve. I, I think your whole life, because we're not perfect, then it's always a process your whole life. I think certain areas of your life, you do get under control. Like, let's say oh, yeah. if you were swearing all the time and always cursing out your wife and kicking the dog, let's say, hopefully not, but let's say you did. And then you you might repent of that, and then that's over. And then God, later on, will point out something else to work on. Uh, but what I have found in life is there been times when I was in denial that when God woke me up to that, it was pretty shattering. Like, it was pretty like, wow, man, you're a jerk. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And God just, like, points it out. And that, to me, is the kind of sorrow that leads to change, is when you realize, golly days, man, did I blow that? And you, like, were oh. blind to it before. And it's like all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you couldn't see it, that God is opening your eyes, that you can see it now, it hurts. And if you have not been through that, I would say there may be a chance you're not really going to change permanently because right. you really do need, I think on certain issues, like the way a man treats his wife, if he's treating her poorly, or there's been infidelity or whatever it is, there's got to be a time where truly you sense that brokenness, like that, that broke me, like that, that hurt me that I was that way. Like I never want to be that person again, because when you feel pain, you don't want to repeat pain. I think too many people for sin, Steve, they don't really feel pain. They don't feel like it hurts. And, and because they, they don't feel it, I don't think they get it. To me, the biggest changes I've ever made is when I feel it. Like, I feel it in my heart, and I know I was wrong, and I never want to do that again. Because that pain is your teacher. That pain's the educator that's going to help you to remember 10 years down the road. You remember what that felt like? Let's not, let's not forget what that feels like. You know what that feels like. Don't you never want that feeling again? You never go that path again. Period. True, and I know, but I know sometimes we find ourselves repeating some of those patterns, and then you wonder why. And you, you, that's why I think it's like, I think it's really good that we keep going out to those things. We got to do that self evaluation. We got to be saying, "Hey, Lord, you know, point out, like you said, point out some of these ways." I, I love the story you've always shared about Jerry. You know, and you used to constantly just tease and harass. Yeah. And you were doing it in love, and she finally tells you, "No, it's only funny if both of us are laughing." Right. You know, and it's like one of those ones where I know it was a profound impact on you. you really, right. that's one of the ones that really struck you. You go, yeah, yeah, you know, she's absolutely 100 right. And I think about that somebody and, and because it, it I realize it, I've never oh, yeah. done it again. I think about some of the stupid things years. I've done in my life, or whether it's you know been been drinking to excess or doing other various things, being immoral, whatever the case may be. And I go, I look back at that now, and I go, man, how stupid was that? Right. You know, I, I think about you know people that continually drink and pour themselves into vehicles and drive on the road. It's like playing Russian roulette, and deep people do it all day long. Right. You know what I mean? And and they'll justify it. 
Right. And we will rationalize our behaviors. And I'm, I'm making a silly, silly, I believe I've done plenty of these things in my life. I'm just saying, and I know how it is to rationalize, to justify, to, you know, I'll be okay, or it's all right here. And unfortunately, those are the types of things that there is, uh, that's problems. That's where we're, you're just waiting. You're one step away from walking off the edge. Right. And it's going to come and bite you. Well, I think about and your then own, will it be worldly sorrow or godly, yeah. godly sorrow? Your own story. I mean, where God finally woke you up to drinking and you fell asleep at the wheel, hit somebody, you wait, you come to, you don't know if they're alive or dead. Yeah, and that was the end. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was the part of, yeah. like, I got to get it together. And I think that sometimes God uses those painful, frightening things in our lives because Ravi Zacharias said it perfectly. Pain is the megaphone for God's voice. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And I've seen so many people come to church in pain. I've seen so many people come to Christ because, wow, what do I do? Look at what I've done. Look at the mess I have. And because that pain is driving them to Christ. I think pain also drives us to good behavior because we realize we made a mess of things. And I think about the prodigal son as being a great definition of it because he comes to his dad and he says, I sinned against heaven and against you. And until you realize that, I don't think you're ready for repentance either. Until you can realize, you know, what I did wrong, I did against God. And what I did wrong, I did against them. Like there's usually two directions that our bad behavior is going. One, I offended God who told me to do it, not do it in the first place. And the second thing is I heard somebody else near yeah, and dear to me, and, and that, that was wrong. God, I, it, I hurt you, God. I, I hurt them. And I think when you realize that you hurt somebody and you've caused problems, then you're ready for this, like Paul said, you know, this, this godly sorrow that led to change. Yeah. I think about Jesus, uh, the way he described the prodigal son. Jesus says, when he came to his senses. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and man, I think about my own life. When I finally came to my senses on some of these things, you know, in this moment of brokenness or in this moment of desperation or some of the things when I, when, when I came to my senses and you cried out to the Lord and he helps and, and you see, you, 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 man, you're all in then. I got to do something different. Right. Because, man, God, I get the signs. I hear you. I know you love me. I know you're forgiving me, and I'm, I'm going to change here. Because there's there's it becomes a want to. I think about, you know, my past life. There's nothing I would want to go back to in my past life. Right. I mean, my life gets better and better every day. Right. I mean, I don't know why I would ever want to go back to some of those behaviors or some of those patterns or, you know, I think about even, you know, having been divorced in my life. I mean, Aaron and I were doomed to repeat some of the same patterns we had done in our, in our prior life till Christ got a hold of us. And we saw that you've got to, you've got to behave in a different manner. Right. You're, you're called to a new standard, man. And it was like coming to the senses again for both of us is like, no, we need to change. We need to love each other differently. We need to, we need to be different people. We need to be new creations in Christ. And today, you know, our marriage is as strong as it can be. And, and, and it's only getting better and better as well. Right. And so I think it's about some of those things. You can't ever take those things for granted. You got to constantly be working at it. You have to be continue, be willing to repent or, you know, uh, Jesus says, you know, if you don't repent, you, you, you know, you're, well, you're going to perish. And here's a beautiful thing. And repentance is this, I mean, to define it, and maybe we should have done it at the start, but it's, I've always looked at repentance as a 180. In other words, yeah. I'm going down the wrong way. I turned around and started going the right way. And I've had this in my life. I remember when I was in high school, my teacher talked about it. He goes, man, Bill, I remember when you just did a 180. That's what repentance is. You, you, you were going one direction and you totally turned. Yeah, because I remember that day. I remember sitting there thinking, Bill, you are a pain in the butt to your teachers. You're a pain in the butt to your parents. You're a pain in the butt to everyone who has to deal with you. Stop it. Yep. Stop. 
This is it. You're not going to be getting detentions anymore. You're not going to be giving these people a hard time every day anymore. Now, I was still funny every day and clowny, but I wasn't bad. And I remember him talking about it. He goes, man, that, you were middle of your junior year. You just did a 180. I'm like, yeah, because I made a decision to say, I can't be this person anymore. Like, this is not... It's not right what you're doing, and God opens your eyes to it. And here's the beautiful thing about God. Not only will he open your eyes to it, he'll give you the strength to overcome it. He'll help you overcome it. He'll forgive you. Like the that father who took that prodigal broken son back, that's a beautiful story in the Bible, and he takes that son back. That kid did so much wrong to him, but he loved on that kid when he, when he repented. He didn't go to him in his worldliness right, right, right. and love on him there and right. say, hey, don't worry about what you're doing. When the kid came back and he could admit it, man, wow. Yeah, when he came to his senses, right. there, Jesus ready to help him, and he, was, and he was waiting to greet him, and he'd been waiting. And I think about it, you know, Pete, Peter writes in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Right. So we are all on that path, I think, that we have to still, like I said, some of that self-acknowledging of where we are falling short of the mark, even yet, that we have to be moving towards repentance constantly and, and, and trying to please God, to work towards Him. We should be bearing good fruit in our life. Right. The, the fruit of a Christian life should be evident. There should be this self-control. Uh, I love how Paul contrasts the acts of the flesh and the works of the Spirit in Galatians 5. I mean, you can get to the whole list of depravity of humanity right. in the early part of chapter 5. And in verse 22, 23, you get the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Right. self-control. Those things are available to us as Christians. If we're not living there, you know, that's a big problem, I think. And then the question is, if not, why not? Right. Well, I think you bring up a, a great point because yeah. he wants to have a relationship with us. And I'll close with this verse in 1 Peter 3.18. It's one of my favorite salvation verses. It says, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. There's the purpose right there of what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to bring you to God. The, the purpose of repentance is to return your relationship with God and say, God, what is it between us? Why is it that we're not close? Because I want to seek you. I want to have that relationship. And typically what I find is when my vertical relationship is right with God, then everything else is transferring from there. We appreciate you tuning in and uh, listening to this podcast. You have a great and a blessed week.